Welcome to the Gospel Journey Podcast. The Gospel Journey exists to help our people get into discipleship relationships that are centered on God's Word and led by His Spirit. Today we are in week five of Path 8, Hebrews chapter 8. My name is Jamie Trussell, and I'm thrilled to be joined today by one of our pastors and church planners, Antonio Jones. Good morning, Antonio. Good morning, man. Good to be here. Yeah, great. Uh, before we jump into Hebrews, Antonio, uh, a lot of people at Harvest know you. Uh, some of you will listen to this who don't go to Harvest, but Antonio is planting and pioneering a work in the Southwind community here in Memphis. And why don't you take two, three minutes and talk about you, your family, and uh, how you feel like God's called you and equipped you to that work. Yeah, uh, thanks, man. I've um, uh, been married about 16 years to my wife, Tasha, and um, we... Um, has just been going at it for a long time, just best friends, I tell people, a great friendship. Hmm. And it makes our relationship really easy. Um, and during that time, we've brought three kids in the world, Miles, Elise, and Nolan, and we have a fourth one on the way. So we're really excited about that. Um, just, uh, I think we're just a family of people. We love people, we love family. Uh, it may not be a time you don't catch us with a lot of people around us, because we just sure. love people. Uh, and that's how our ministry goes as well. Hmm. Um, We've been living in our neighborhood for 13 years. I've been in ministry since 19. I'm 40, so it's been a long time. Wow. Um, but, you know, I've learned to walk with God in, um, in ways that I can't even put into words. Mm. Uh, and I always knew I was called to ministry. Uh, since I was a kid, I knew it. Uh, but like most kids, you go through those ups and downs. You go through adolescence, and I kind of wanted to give the calling back. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm thankful that. I learned a lot uh, in life and, and, and all the things that God has kind of put in front of us. We've been in ministry for a while, like I said, and now um, we're looking to plant a church. I always knew I would plant, but I didn't think my neighborhood. Hmm. I always looked outside of my neighborhood hmm. until my particular neighborhood, which, again, my wife and I have lived now 13 years, is starting to make a turn for uh, a, a really high need for ministry. Gotcha. Um, a lot of churches in our neighborhood, but we think we're called to kind of be more of a community church to the people around there. Um, so we're excited about that. It's coming uh, in the next few months. Hopefully we'll be planting a church soon. That's great. Yeah. Praise God. And what a lot of people may not know about you is you've been doing a lot of this stuff bivocationally yeah. for a while, pulling two jobs um, as you own a barbershop and are doing real-time pastoral ministry as yeah. well. For the, what, the longest I can remember. That's right. Day, yeah. That's right. I haven't got my hair cut by you yet, but. <laughs> Maybe one day. Sure thing. Do you really do my style? I can do it all, man. You can do it all. I, I can do it. Uh, all. Hook uh, you up, man. I of guess. course you can. That's why you tell people you're a master barber, <laughs> yeah. not just a barber. <laughs> hey, so uh, to jump in to our text this week, uh, Hebrews chapter eight. I just want to encourage those of you who are on the gospel journey with one another to uh, stay in it. Uh, you've got about uh, halfway through at this point. And uh, just a special encouragement to all people in our women Bible study groups who are navigating this as well. We're so thankful for y'all, and we hope this continues to be a big blessing. All right, so Hebrews chapter 8. Uh, uh, just to bring us up to speed quickly, so far in the book of Hebrews, one of the primary arguments of this author, who again remains nameless, we don't ultimately know who wrote the book, is a passionate plea to his people to persevere in the faith, to not leave the faith and return to the old ways of Judaism. Now, that's his specific context. Uh, if we put it in our context, it's anything that makes us uh, uh, want to depart from Christ or not persevere in Christ. And he's moved through the book saying, hey, 
don't leave. Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus is greater than angels. That Jesus is a greater high priest than you've ever had in the old covenant system. And now he's moving to a, a further argument that says Jesus is not only a greater high priest, but he actually is the mediator of a greater superior covenant. So uh, to his people, uh, he would essentially be saying this. If you leave, just know you're leaving a better covenant for a for a inferior covenant. Yeah. And, and we don't really think through covenant language much now. It had been very prominent, certainly in the Old Testament and even here in the early church. Uh, it's it's probably only talked about when we get married. You mentioned your marriage with Tasha. Uh, I've got the joy of being married to Shanna. Uh, we, we talk about covenant yeah. on our wedding days. Mm-hmm. But the reality is anytime we join ourselves to something, with any sense of formal or informal pledge, we are actually covenanting or uniting ourselves to it. And I would argue probably without ways that we're even aware of, we make little small covenants every day with things that are not Jesus. Does that make sense, Antonio? Yes, it does. Yeah. And so here he is arguing for Jesus is the priest of a better covenant. Let's get into it. Just read the first few verses. Now, the point of what we're saying is this. We have such a high priest one who is seated at the right hand of God, seated, works finished, right hand of God, place of power, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. Every high priest is set to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus, it is necessary for a priest to have something to offer. Christ offered himself. Uh, just to pause there, uh, and tell me, I would love for you to speak into this a little bit. You know, Paul, well, Peter would write that, also, in a new covenant reality, we all who belong to the Lord are priests. Mm. Paul would say in Romans chapter 12 that we also make offerings. So just like the author of Hebrews says, every priest makes an offering. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what Paul says in Romans 12 is that offering is our whole entire life. Yeah. Um, would love to, to hear from you and some insight on uh, the struggles with compartmentalizing and offering only parts of our life. And uh, do you see that with people? What are some common uh, uh, hurdles or barriers for people really functioning in this priestly uh, idea of of being a minister of the Lord that lays down their entire life for Christ? Well, yeah, I mean, it's huge. Uh, 100% human nature and the fact that we're created in the image of God, two different things. Spiritually, we're created in his image, but we live in this sinful body, in this sinful world that he gave us dominion over. And it's a struggle between the two. Mm-hmm. I think the spirit is always eager to grow, but we have to feed into that uh, with the word, with prayer, and all the things that we learn uh, from the scriptures. Uh, but we're daily dealing with this flesh, and uh, that makes it easily the greatest struggle, period. Uh, and so I, when I'm talking to couples, for an example, I try to get them to understand that the covenant in marriage, for an example, uh, binds with it those very very words we speak for better mm-hmm. or for worse. Mm-hmm. Not only would there be for better, <laughs> there will certainly be for worse. Those days are there to be uh, for us to you know learn from each other, but also to learn um, what what Christ means to the church and how we can better set an example with that. Um, well, I and I love and yeah, that's one reason why marriage covenant is so fitting, and why Paul talks in Ephesians five that marriage is a picture of Christ in the church. Because it's my assumption, I could be wrong, I don't think I am, it's my assumption that we all want Jesus to take us for better or worse. Oh, yeah. And we don't want a conditional covenant from God in our direction. Right. Uh, but if I'm also candid, 
I can, I can, in my uh, uh, on my own uh, initiative, have a conditional covenant with God as far as my obedience goes. Yes. Right, and so depending on my circumstances, I may be more prone to praise Him or worship Him, or less prone to praise Him or worship Him. Uh, more prone to desire to follow Him and trust His ways are best, or more prone to follow my ways are best. And so that I think that idea of the marriage covenant is probably the most tangible thing we have mm, yeah. to help understand this idea. But what I I I think that we've got to start to differentiate here is if God set up what's called a old covenant. Mm-hmm. Man, that's what the author here is calling it. it. Says there's an old covenant, and new covenant. Yes. We've got to begin to navigate the reality that just because God made one that passed away, it doesn't mean that one was a uh, a failure. Right. It doesn't mean God made a mistake. It means that these covenants, old and new, were kind of purpose for different things. Right. So, for example, the Old Testament covenant wanted to show us our sin, prove how sinful we were prove that we need a savior and that it, it, it illustrated for us how we had to have someone stand between us and God and offer a sacrifice. Uh, Paul would say in Galatians, the law, which drove the old covenant, the law was our tutor. It was our teacher to bring us to Christ. And one of the tough things about ministry in our part of the country, I mean, you know, you're born and raised in Memphis. I was born and raised in Auburn, Alabama. We both get kind of intuitively uh the the southern culture you know yeah. both uh you know you're obviously a little more versed in african-american culture than i am um uh, but uh, some of the same root things take place whether minority culture majority culture and that is sometimes it's just hard to convince people they don't actually know the lord mm-hmm. and yeah. that they're not in a new covenant with god and part of that struggle is what the old testament law was meant to do prove that we're sinful mm-hmm. i mean it's hard to get uh people i found to really recognize and understand the seriousness yeah. of their sin well i mean we're uh, i often say this too we're living in a reciprocated society mm-hmm. where we bought into the idea of what was once right is now wrong and what was once wrong is now right and mm-hmm. people have made themselves their own gods uh and, and that they don't feel usually that they have to uh, submit to any one person who went to any one God. I've had conversations with people who are frustrated with the Christian faith because we believe that Jesus is the only way. And mm. they're frustrated by the fact that how could it be true or how fair is that? Uh, doesn't make much sense if this God is a loving God. Should there be more than one way? Uh, but that's the reality that we're in now. But it speaks to when you think about this book in particular, what those Christians were going through in Hebrews. They were uh, struggling with the fact that um, they were people who wanted to almost give back their salvation because they felt like Christ's um, sacrifice maybe wasn't strong enough. Maybe yeah. couldn't forgive sins. And they're going through probably some intense persecution. Yes. And kind of wondering, all right, God, where are you? Yeah. Right. Maybe this ain't well. working out. Right, right. And usually when you're, as, as they were, uh, going through a lot of social uh, rejection and dealing with issues with the Pharisees and other teachers during that time, it, it is a struggle because at that issue, I guess at that point, your flesh is more prone to want to people please and you want to kind of be in a position where everyone likes you. But yep. this faith doesn't you know, call for you to do that. There's a distinction. No, and I, I love to talk about that specific uh, idea just about there, there are certain cultural pressure points. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and they certainly had them uh, very intensely in the first century. I think that is intensifying for us. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we have cultural pressure points around sexuality, around gender, yes. uh, a way uh, around the way we even view uh, male-female interaction, yeah. and and how you can be equal of value and essence, and and. Uh, totally equal before the Lord and yet still function in different roles. Right. That's not demeaning. That's not degrading. Uh, we certainly are a laughing stock to culture when it comes down to our pursuit of sexual purity. Yeah. Uh, our view of marriage, uh, not just the fact of man and woman, but even that you would exclusively commit yourself to any person mm-hmm. for the entirety of your life and not, uh, fully jump into this movement towards sexual freedom. Like there's just there are all these cultural pressure points. There are also some unique ones for us here in Memphis, yeah, and in the South in general. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I, I I can only really speak through my own personal experiences. But we'd love to hear from you too in your community. You know, you're living in Southwind, uh, uh, which is a little bit different than. Germantown, Collierville, people maybe ask and answer some of the same questions, but some different questions. What are some kind of cultural pressure points in your context of church planting that you see being a temptation for people to say, man, this, like, I was willing to follow Jesus up until these points. Yeah, when you ask... Uh, when you're offering Christ to people and, and um, they learn that this is an exclusive relationship in terms of that vertical relationship with, mm. you know, the person and God and that your life has to be devoted to that in, in terms of, you know, we're not all perfect, but we're striving towards that perfection. And people want in this society, in this age, in this culture, this pop culture, they want to be able to do it, you know, like Burger King, have it their way. Mm-hmm. And that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, while Jesus, uh, you know, brought the message of grace and, and we learned that we could be saved and forgiven through his blood that was shed. Uh, most people after that process, they think that this grace is extended for them to live how they want to. Mm. And our church is going to be a church that, um, it's certainly going to be gospel driven. And, and what's important for us is to, for people to grow and learn how important their vertical relationship is and take them to scripture and see mm. how personal and loving, mm-hmm. uh, our savior can be. And that's probably another attribute that's kind of skewed in today's society. What love really means. Oh, sure. And how that is a huge struggle because people have redefined love in more ways than one. And again, that's a rabbit hole, uh, that would take us all over the place. But, um, there's, there is this exclusive love. God, God created us. He loves us. He loves us as an individual. And, um, we have a great opportunity to, uh, do that in terms of church planning, kind of share the gospel of what grace is, what Jesus means, and yeah, what love is, God. how important it is. That's exactly right. Yeah. Um, so, so as he's continuing to unpack here, uh, look, yeah, you may be feeling cultural pressure points. You may be being persecuted. You may be tempted to no longer persevere in the direction of Jesus. But just know, if you leave your covenant with Christ, mm-hmm. or, or, or if you walk away from the church and go back to any other system, it's inferior. And so when he says here that Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old, <clears throat> that as the covenant he mediates is better, since this enacted on better promises, that can be a little bit confusing. I think uh, to, to try to make it as, as simplistic as possible, I really think what the author is driving home there is, let's, if we, let's just take the angle on sin and forgiveness. The Old Testament 
was not, or not the Old Testament, the Old Covenant and the Old Testament law was never established as as a final remedy and uh, 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 washing clean of sin. It was temporary. Yeah, uh, you had to keep doing it uh, over and over and over and over every you know all the days of your life until you went to the grave. It that's that's exhausting. Yes. it's ongoing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus comes and in one final historical act puts all of that away. Oh yes, the temporary gives way to the eternal and unchanging, and we now have full-time, unimpeded access to the Father and final and full forgiveness of sins in Christ. And so I think if we just take that lens, we can kind of see, okay, that was exhausting, ongoing, day-by-day, a shadow of this greater substance. That was this one act, final, forever stands before God to intercede on our behalf, and we can trust and rest in that. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's good news. Yeah, that's good news. The problem is most of us default to still trying to work for it, mm-hmm. even once we've already got it. And 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 look, that's that's exhausting, and it is taking your walk with Jesus and trying to play by different rules. Mm-hmm. Right. So the rules Jesus established in the new covenant are: He does all the work. We respond to His work by repentance and faith. And then all of his righteousness is freely given to us. It's playing by different rules when we say yes to Jesus. But by the way, every day I'm still going to try to earn my righteousness. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so that in and of itself is you're living almost a schizophrenic faith. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not going to be joyful. Mm-hmm. You're not going to know assurance. You're not going to know true mercy, forgiveness, love, and intimacy. Because the new covenant says you operate by... Uh, you know, X, the old covenant says you operate by Y and most of us are trying to combine the two. I mean, I don't know if you've ever experienced that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. In a lot of ways, uh, while you were talking, I was thinking of this, uh, one guy I spoke to as a professional athlete. Um, it just speaks to people who want to feel good about what they do. This one athlete was speaking to X and I said, uh, man, why did you, uh, why do you, uh, have, a uh, what do you call it? Charity. And he said, well, everybody's doing it, you know. It's just one of the things that you should, if you're a professional athlete, the one thing you should have is a charity. And I was thinking, okay, that's good, but are you motivated in the right reasons behind why you're doing it? And it appears that most people want to ease their internal void or angst by doing something good Mm -hmm. in hopes that it makes them feel better about their positions in life or the fact that um, they have an opportunity to do better, or for, for a lot of people, they think because they do things like that, th- these particular works, it gives them brownie points with God. Yeah. Um, yeah. You think about our media media message. Um, again, the media message of the world uh, obviously is to uh, love in your own way, and mm. uh, so people who think they don't need God are trying to find ways to God with these acts. Yep. of kindness if you will but the reality is that void we know can't be filled until you have a relationship in full with christ himself so. that's exactly yeah that's exactly right and but just the uh the freedom and rest that comes with knowing uh jesus is a perfect priest who did a perfect work on behalf of very imperfect people uh 
if we really can grasp that and rest in that, then we're not working for God's approval, but living from his approval. Yes, yes, that's it. And, 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 and waking up each day, uh, I don't start at, at zero and hopefully by the end of the day reach 10 of God's approval of me because of what I've done. Mm-hmm. I wake up each day at a 10 because I have God's approval yeah. because of what Jesus has done. And as I go through the day, the 10 actually never drops down. Mm-hmm. It's always a 10. doesn't mean God approves every individual thing that I do. Of course not. Yeah. I, I sin repeatedly every day. I've got to repent from that. But that does not interrupt or or nullify my positional standing with God because mm-hmm. that is based on a better priest yeah. and a better covenant, yeah. which is what the author of Hebrews is unpacking here. And look, he goes on through chapter 8 to quote Jeremiah 31. It's a great Old Testament passage yeah. on, on the new covenant. And again, if we think about old and new, there are a lot of ways to think through it, but just... Uh, just think through the the forgiveness and how sin was dealt with angle. The old covenant was temporary and could never deal with sin in full. Right. Uh, the new covenant is uh, is infinite. It's eternal. It's never going to end, and it has dealt with sin in full. And the the entrance way into the new covenant is repentance and faith. Yes. Doesn't matter where you're born. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter your last name. Doesn't matter your socioeconomic status. It doesn't matter how smart you are, how nothing, nothing matters except repentance and faith in in Jesus. And and we're in, and you're part of this guaranteed new covenant that says, you know, it's built upon better promises. Now the, the last tricky thing about the new covenant that we'll unpack this morning is if you start reading it, read this passage here in Hebrews or read Jeremiah 31 in full, you'll come across some things that say, or, or that sound like that, that doesn't feel like that's really true yet, mm-hmm. right? So the fact that we won't have to tell each other to know the Lord because all will know him. Right. Well, uh, here's the tricky part about the new covenant. Is it already here? Yes. Mm-hmm. Has Jesus begun it? Yes. Is it here in the way or in the fullness that it one day will be? No. Right. And so there are aspects of the new covenant that we have not yet tasted. But it's inaugurated. It's kicked off. But that's the beautiful thing about it is there are all these promises that remain that we have to look forward to uh, that are part of the new covenant as well. Does that make sense, Antonio? Absolutely. Uh, very much so. I, it was, I think it was the Gospel of John where he was kind of speaking to this covenant that it, when Jesus was talking to uh, the late the woman at the well. And mm. uh, eventually, you know, he explained to her that this salvation that you're looking for is in himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, that. Uh, I'm misquoting it, but he was saying it's coming, but is now here in your presence. That new covenant. Uh, That's right. I'm he. I'm He's the there. one. Um, so I thought that was amazing because this lady, after hearing what Jesus had to say, was so excited with the fact that she got a fresh new opportunity. That's right. That she had just witnessed uh, and experienced the love of the true and living Savior that, in his own words, she would never thirst again. Um, I thought that was amazing in the fact that uh, he was the the concrete evidential uh, he was right there in her face he was there um again i thought that was amazing uh expression of what that kind of uh, looks like well and, and 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 look she's been living in that passage in john 4 in the religious chains 
of the old covenant system that the Pharisees have put on her. Mm -hmm. Well, here comes Jesus saying, Hey, the old's passed away. The new has come. Yeah. Like I'm here. Right. And you, all the change, like come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Why? Because he's come to deal with sin once and for all. Yeah. To reconcile people to God once and for all. It's unchanging. It's a better priest. It's a better covenant. Uh, and in our gospel journey groups, it, it may be good this week. We need to just stop and praise God. And either A, recognize, hey, are you confusing the two? Like claiming faith in Christ but still trying to work it mm-hmm. and, and earn it. So are you trying to blend two covenants, which which is going to exhaust you, mm-hmm. and it's going to impact your intimacy with God? Uh, and if so, let's just confess it and, and bring it to the light and pray for one another to live in the rest of the new covenant. And also, man, praise God and pray to Him and long for the day when the parts of the new covenant that are not yet here uh, will come as we look forward to them. Um, so that wraps us up. Hebrews chapter 8, week 5. Antonio, thanks for being with us this week. My pleasure, man. And we look forward to joining you for uh, uh, week 6 next week in Hebrews chapter 9.